complexion and the mirror's reflection I'm a dancing all with myself When there's no one else inside In the crowded lonely night Well, I wait so long for my love vibration And I'm dancing all with myself Bonjour, shalom, what's up, and how you living? Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Chaz Baz, and I'm doing a solo episode of How You Living because Mikkel couldn't be here today. So we're going to do our usual thing and go over and try to keep you guys informed about everything. Sorry for not being there last week. Schedules changes. Things were crazy. Man, I hope you're back along for the ride for everything. So what are we going to talk about? Let's first do callbacks, but the entire callback is going to to be the entire 100 or so days of the Trump presidency. We've been following it uh, through all the things that have been happening. And when it came to the 100 days, a lot of the consensus was basically he did a good job for some people and he didn't do shit for others. So I want to play you a small little clip to start out with just to kind of give you the general gist of everything of like, I think kind of the liberal uh, assessment of his 100 days. In terms of legislation, you're going to see everywhere on Saturday that there was no major legislation passed in the first hundred days. You have a Republican Congress. You know, that's been a wrong. That's really wrong. First of all, we had 28 bills. Understood. I, I was with a reporter the other day who said the same thing. You didn't pass anything. I said, no, we passed 28 bills. And by the way, by tomorrow, it could be 32. These so yeah, when you get stuff like that and you hear the way Trump talks, right? She asks the question of uh you guys didn't pass any major bills and then he goes on to take away the major part of it and just say bills later on in that interview if you watch it he she'll say i'm talking about the bigger ones that happened he was like oh yeah the big ones and he kind of just waved it off like oh yeah you wanted me to do the hard ones if you wanted to compare that to obama's 100 days he did three major bills signed in the same 100 days so if you want to use the two against each other Trump did drop the ball on a lot of the key 100-day promises that he made in that 100-day contract that he gave to everybody. Some other things you might want to look at, too, is nominees sent to and confirmed to the Senate. So Obama had 119 sent to the Senate and 69 confirmed by 100 days. Trump only sent 40 to the Senate. 40. 40. Think about that. Think about how he's like, stuff is not getting done. I'm not being able to do anything. It's always the Democrats. It's the Democrats. But it's not really the Democrats. It's the fact that he's only sent 40, as of the 100 days, 40 people to actually be confirmed for various uh, cabinet level and deputy cabinet level positions. So what are you going to do? And then um, by that time, there's only 25 of them confirmed. I don't know if this is a really good metric, but it comes to foreign countries visited. Um, Obama had nine and Trump had zero. So the reason why I don't take that as a super huge metric, as in like his ability or what he was doing as a person, is the fact that... Donald Trump was all about uh, populism and nationalism. So when it comes to actually having to go to another country and to work on his uh, relationship with them, the American people in the first 100 days weren't really going to see that. Obama, on the other hand, was a globalist president. He was going to put through the TTP, which Trump slashed because that wasn't good for domestic uh, domestic properties, although it would have been better on a global economic scale. But you know how people are. And because of that i can see why one would actually go visit people and talk to them and try to build those ties with foreign countries and why the other one would do more focusing on things at home before you go out and talk to the rest of the world of what they're going to do um also let's look at their approval rating obama was at a healthy 65 percent in his first 100 days back in 2009 and a trump it went down to 41 i think he might be in the high 30s now but i'm not sure but the biggest one the biggest one you know how trump was he's like i'm not gonna play any golf i'm not gonna play any golf i won't be working too hard i'm gonna be working too hard mar-a-lago 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 rounds of golf played by obama in his first 100 days zero rounds of golf played by donald trump in his first 100 days 19 i don't know I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if you wanted a man who had a lot of integrity in the office, a lot of man that said that he would do the things that he said he was going to do. I don't think he was the one that you should have voted for. All right. But anyway, 
that's one of his uh big things but also i would say go back and watch just how that 100 days went because there was a lot of crazy things so starting from the beginning there was the travel ban and the travel ban was ridiculous well we knew it was kind of was going to happen and sally yates got fired because she was the acting attorney general at the time and she squashed and that executive order and when she was actually going through her hearing recently they tried to slam her on that especially ted cruz and she was like no it wasn't a purview of that law even though there was a purview within that law that actually said you can't discriminate people due to race and religion and all that specifically it also felt like an unconstitutional law when it came to due process and such so i was like okay get them sally yates you get them and i really thought that was kind of cool and and the band itself was always so weird when i saw a story on vice where muhammad ali jr because his religion is muslim he was held and it was crazy but when it finally knew that he was traveling with his mother and the people who were doing the policing or the enforcement ice or whatever at the airports his mother was like yeah muhammad ali's mother and they're like oh, oh, oh i'm sorry and then they finally let him go but they treated him like he was a terrorist before then so it kind of goes to show how this mentality of just the word muslim equals terrorist which we saw that a lot since 9-11 but it's hit this fever pitch in such a way where it's like is there going to be any sort of regular discourse that is allowed with individuals of this sort so we can actually go through and just stop this from happening and really talk about what it does what it will get for people who doesn't who think that there is not enough extreme vetting already what will constitute for them as extreme vetting because there was a another video i saw it was um kamu bell's uh the united shades of america and it talked to a guy who had been in america for about a year and a half and oh actually no it wasn't a year and a half sorry it was nine years and he was saying like why are you saying like there's no extreme vetting and he moved from uh, three different countries uh, two in the middle east and then once to america and each time he moved to those countries in the middle east they also vetted him and like intensely so extreme vetting happens here as you know from syrian refugees they go through a two-year process to be able to say all right you can come here and when it comes to them coming here as we talked about before why this is such a long callback is that when you look at the humanity of it all it's just people who are married who have children who are coming from a place where it's so war-torn that no semblance of society can be maintained and sustained so they need to go to a place where they can be able to grow and live as human beings and places that have western civilization places that have thrived where once before we also had our own conflicts now that we can actually open up our arms and share in our humanity it does kind of disturb me that there's a lot of people out there that's like no no I, I don't i don't think i want you here because i feel like because of a few radicalized people all your people are bad so step the fuck off and i'm like no that's not how this should work but you know that's how a lot of it worked but also thinking back to the very beginning too since around the travel ban was also the women's march which was a very interesting juxtaposition back then too because it felt like it, there was you know you had the grandma by the pussy situation that happened right before the election and then from there just the degree of misogyny and hate that he just led through a lot of these things and the people who represented him also represented that so but what I found interesting was in the opposition of the right and the left in this regard, especially the more high octane, louder conservative outlets like The Blaze or a lot of morning radio TV was uh, the women's march was kind of juxtaposed with the pro-life march because there was a lot of uh, women in the women's march that didn't want pro-life groups to join in because it does seem like there's a lot of times where pro-life groups are anti-woman and uh and then pro-choice groups always seem like our baby which is i think i don't know if i talked about this before but when that whole thing was happening i needed to let myself know what did i really think about this whole situation and everything and i really feel like it's um a pro-autonomy argument and um, because i'm pro-choice i am pro-autonomy of the woman before i am pro-autonomy of the fetus zygote or even if you just want to colloquially call it a baby that's growing inside of it 
Um, I do feel like there should be some nuance there, though. I know some people are hard set. Yeah, you should be able to abort it uh, 100%. And, you know, I get that. And for the most part, most people actually don't abort it like a day before it's born anyway. So I think it actually is kind of impractical to talk about it in a time where the person's actually keeping it to the point where they'll bring it to term. And that's why I think the first trimester or even the first and second trimesters are okay uh, for abortions. And I do think in the medical field and everything, if a second trimester abortion needs to happen, it's usually for more medical reasons anyway. And when it comes to that, so I feel like people should be able to make that choice no matter what, especially when it comes to the health of their body. And I know that there was like Prager University had a thing where they were saying, why couldn't you have an abortion? It was like, that is not your body. That is a body when it came to someone growing a child and i was like i don't really like how that's phrased because that takes out the whole symbiotic relationship that the baby has with the woman as it's being grown and i feel since that symbiotic relationship exists and because it's using up resources from that woman that woman has a first and final say over what or who uses her body in whatever way there is and so i think there should always be a reason for her to have say within that so i know that kind of sounds kind of contradictory when i was like well maybe in the trimester so maybe i do agree more with the uh, the being able to board it whenever just seeing it as an impractical thing that doesn't really happen in in any practical sense of that term so uh after the women's march there was a pro-life march and after the pro-life march i guess it was a little bit quiet then we got a uh, judge neil gorshik's in and i was always in high contention because of merrick garland and you know there, there was i was always very hesitant about should they use the filibuster on them or not and i really do feel like if someone retires or someone dies like ruth bader ginsburg fingers crossed not but you know being realistic knowing how old someone is and how that happens or even if anybody else dies we can't just look at it as you know they're old and the older you are you know the more like you are to pass away which is true but you also have to look at that freak accidents happen every so often and a freak accident can happen to anybody so if a freak accident does happen to someone who is unexpected what would happen with another nomination from president trump for the supreme court and also there hasn't been a much news about the supreme court taking cases i don't well i could be wrong on that but when the supreme court does take cases because i am looking to see how neil gorsuch uh rules on certain things because i think his biggest criticism on the left especially the more social democratic left is that he's a corporatist and that whole thing about the truck driver and him getting out of the car to make sure he was warm or, or and making sure he was safe he really didn't care about the person himself he cared about the purviews of the company that fired him because he was like it's unsafe and it was like but i'm gonna die so it's going to be very interesting how he might have ruled in like the Hobby Lobby case when it came to contraception or, but I don't even know where corporatism would fit in with gay marriage, but things like that. So as more social justice issues come before the Supreme Court and such, we'll see how they rule because other local state um, Supreme Courts, I read recently the other day that there was a West Virginia Supreme Court that said that, um, uh, hate crimes on or, or like uh persecutions on gay people wasn't um a hate crime it that's that is actually very muddled and it that, that's rage inducing right now it should be but i would look it up look west virginia um hate crime supreme court and it should come up so you, you can clarify what i'm saying but that will give you the jump off on how to actually see how there are certain states that do have values that are in the antithesis of um, progressive values and i'm just wondering uh, where neil gorsuch fits in that whole deal when it comes to social social change and social development and also if someone would go away from the supreme court how they would change social change and social development as well too in this country so after that i believe um the, the travel man was squashed but then the next thing that comes to mind is syria and afghanistan so syria was interesting because you know um uh, obama had his hard line where he was like i am not going to bomb syria whatsoever 
or not bomb i'm not going to put like he had a, a big red line where he wouldn't do any military incursion on syria unless they went over a huge line and they in syria technically did go over that line but obama didn't feel like it was the case to actually do any military action when he went over that line that he said they were and i can see how if you're an american person who feels like our strong or not strong government our strong military should be used in order to commit shows of force in, in areas where inhumane acts are being used i can understand that being the position of a weak position and not being able to actually go strong with what they wanted to do so i feel as though uh, when it came to uh trump's constituency that kind of fueled it to have somebody who was more i wouldn't say pro-war but like pro-taking action in those cases so when trump decided to bomb an airstrip that supposedly delivered the chemical and chemical agent that damaged a lot of people in syria it was very interesting but it's very trump so trump isn't very methodical and he's not very thought out and he's the one that has to make the final say and likely you would hope that someone who would take the final say would actually be able to look at all the facts and so what is going on here and then when they did the i think it was 59 tomahawk missiles how those missiles are being fired what targets specifically on the airfield is it getting targeted to um what will be the biggest change that will happen when we make this or is this just to say no bad is that like is this supposed to be a very elaborate slap on the wrist and i don't know but that actually did make people who were like yeah we need to do something and actually like yeah woo trump's doing something he's actually showing that we're big boss america's taking the lead again what's good so i was like okay uh, okay that was nice i'll feel you uh so but then the next day or a few days afterwards he dropped literally the mother of all bombs as was touted the largest non-nuclear bomb created by the united states government he dropped it in afghanistan now that afghanistan drop was for isis insurgents in that area in tunnels which ironically so were held built by americans right i don't know you know like, shit's crazy in the world and, and the fact that i think his concussive value was really good at collapsing those caves so it would be inaccessible to the isis insurgents that were using them so i feel like that was a more strategic move in that case but i also feel like the largeness of the bomb that name and uh, the degree of pop and circumstance that happened around that kind of gave people another sense of that yeah we're doing big things with our military and then that was also around the time too when they were doing the budget and trump was like i want more money in the military because in actually he did that hiring freeze and i'm not even sure if that hiring freeze is lifted actually i should look up on that let me let me write that down for the next callback next week i'm gonna look to see if the hiring freeze is lifted because that is actually kind of crazy that he put in a hiring freeze except for immigration agents and military as soon as he got into office and i was like okay let me, let me i mean i know why because it and that's what he ran on his constituency actually there is something else i want to talk about too is how it's kind of weird that trump sometimes does things that looks like it's for his constituency and the other times it looks like he's really reinforcing the swamp and not draining the swamp so that's a little confusing too but after after syria i guess i guess we can go into the newest thing that's really all the big callbacks i have for that so if you want to know any more or you want to talk to me about anything else you can always find me on crsii on twitter and i just got back into instagram so i'm probably going to be instagramming my day i hope to be going on a lot more vacations this year and next year and just doing a lot more things in the city just to see uh learn new things meet new people experience just things in life and so if you want to follow me i believe i am chasbaz on instagram as well too so you should do that so we're going to go into our next segment the state of america and the state of america is crazy because trump i guess you can say went off the rails again by firing the fbi fbi director comey 
and a lot of people are speculating that he did it because of the russia investigation but there's a lot of like hearsay going on there's a lot of double talk going on here so i'm trying to make the best out of it and actually when i was listening to the white house correspondence dinner it was something that oh i can't remember his name but um there's a principle that I really like when it comes to just trying to find the truth of things is depending on what people are telling you and based on all the information you can gather about something at the time, that is the best obtainable truth. And when it comes to any of these things, I really want to just look at all sides of the situation, look at the people involved, look how the American people are reacting, look how the news is reporting on it, and look how what is the actual feelings from the horse's mouth and actually trying to suss out whether or not they're trying to obfuscate anything in that matter to ultimately find the the best obtainable truth at the time but also being able to be open to when new data comes through and that the best obtainable truth can change at any time so when it comes to the comey uh situation i was the one thing that struck me is um lester holt was interviewing him the other day and and he asked him point blank directly uh did you uh who gave you reasons to fire comey and he said well no i it was always me the entire time but i like to check people's body language so i want you guys to go and look at that interview and then notice how as soon as he starts shaking his head no he kind of starts cutting himself off and he does it twice kind of within that same line of questioning he was like he was like no i was he was like no it was me i was gonna and he starts shaking his head and i'm like oh no no that wasn't you and also something else that's a little fishy is that the deputy attorney general was kind of hesitant because he was saying it wasn't him directly that gave him that order that uh trump should fire comey at that time he's actually threatening to resign because of that so i'm trying to think i think trump is lying but i'm trying to wonder if i had to speculate just for a second of who i think was actually the person who initiated it based on trump's body language and the attorney general saying no that wasn't me is either steve bannon is somewhere lurking you know because it was probably steve bannon who was talking to the russians or it was jeff sessions or it actually could be just a whole cabal and collusion of them all because there's another um representative or not representative um white house counsel um i think it's like roy or something i can't remember his name he's an old dude he has white hair he's kind of like you know batshit conservative crazy and he was actually on the vice video saying like these are the only correspondence that i had with russia during that time it, it seems to not be a big deal to make a big stink of that and i'm just like but you could be showing something else you should be hiding something else that we don't know so i don't know i don't know if i should believe you uh, america all right so it so the comey thing and that's kind of where i'm at right now i do feel like he was fired because of the russian investigation i do feel like trump's team did their job as they as i would like to call them the obfuscation police and where they are trying to cover up and hide or dance around or as the adage goes deny 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 and if that doesn't work lie 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 around all of the weird hoopla and just uneasy feeling that happens when you just abruptly and you may not say like i know there's some people out there who says this is an abrupt aren't you a liberal didn't you hate it the way that he handled uh hillary's emails and i'm like in that case i was like if you didn't think there was anything prosecutable there after you did your um thorough investigation who am i to speculate about that any differently without having the same level of information as you do so that's kind of how i take it there and with this one it was it just and that's just the way it looks or that's the way you can best speculate for it and everything that's telling me that all these red flags of lying are happening so i kind of still think that he was fired because someone not not necessarily president trump mind you but someone that i feel like is close either to the campaign or the current administration would be and most likely will be fined liable for misconduct when it comes to dealing with collusion and such from the russians maybe along the lines of michael flynn but maybe not along the lines of michael flynn 
uh yeah i guess you know the state of america is going to cross back into trump's 100 days a lot because i didn't talk about michael flynn either but stuff came out about him in the sally yates uh deposition uh about whether or not he was fit and obama told him you shouldn't hire that guy because we fired him and then they spun that into like oh well obama gave him the clearance and stuff why you give him the clearance but they fired him did he keep the clearance when he fired you know i don't know for sure but i would believe that if you were a top level um administrator and you had a clearance but you weren't in that position anymore they would revoke your clearance I mean, I feel like that's just, just logical sense, but I, I don't know. I could be wrong. He might have kept his. He might have kept his clearance, and and then maybe that criticism's correct. But I, it doesn't make sense why that criticism would be correct. And let me see what else happened this week other than the Sally Day's hearing. And earlier today, again going back to Comey, the new uh, acting. Oh, God, the new acting FBI director was saying that the complete opposite of what Trump and his coalition were saying. He was saying that Comey is respected and still respected. Um, he had a high level of camaraderie there. There wasn't um, any improperness going on there. It was running well. So a lot of the excuses Trump were making to fire him seem very demonstrably false. So, But this is what we've come to expect in the Trump administration. What I really want to see now, because I've seen a bunch of uh, the 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 suit and tie, CNN and MSNBC people interview him, but they always they they always go, oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood, because when I played that clip earlier. she was saying she said earlier the interviewer she's like maybe i need to be more clear and i wanted to be like no the fuck you don't need to be more clear you said he didn't pass any major ones major you could have just said straight there sternly i said specifically major ones and then he could have danced around it and said yeah but we did some just because they weren't major doesn't mean we didn't do anything then you had to hit him again no i said major and when it comes to major legislation being passed those were some of your biggest purviews in your 100 day plan when like all the bullshit he said about his 100 day plan could have easily been squashed by someone who said no this is what you 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 said and nobody's doing that to him except for comedians on late night but they're not doing it to him directly they're doing it to him indirectly so until the media can actually pull from real clips uh real information and hand to them in these interviews and poignantly succinctly and directly say to him hey this is what you're saying now this is what you're saying back then why don't they match up that's real journalism so what i really want to see honestly guys is pbs news hour or al Jahira or the bbc news interview president trump and take his ass to task because i'm very sick about seeing cnn and msnbc and fox news as especially with all their speculative punditry and kind of their talking heads of panelists that just don't actually make any real coherent sense and so yeah and that is that is the state of america so we're gonna go into you know probably your favorite one bill watch yeah, we got a bill for you. So if you knew there is a Ajit Pai, Ajit Pai was talking to some people the other day because he wants to roll back those net neutrality regulations. And as you know, so if you don't know what net neutrality is, or if you're like, why should I care? Chaz? Why should I care? Um, you should care because net neutrality basically is you cannot speed up or slow down a uh traffic loading speeds uh, based on the preference of the isp itself all tracks and traffic speeds to all websites across um the internet should be the same and what algae pie is saying is that by doing that uh you are moving away from the ability to do innovation and that seems a little bit false he did he did cite some anecdotal evidence where he did talk to smaller isps and those smaller isps were the ones saying that hey 
Um, I don't have the ability to. Um, they don't have the ability to expand. So, in order to expand, I need to change it from being Title One to Title Two, and by making it Title Two, I believe. Uh, I forget the specifics, but Title II allows um, the FCC to actually have more control over the things like charging more, not charging more, but being able to change the speed of what website goes to what. And there have been instances where smaller um, ISPs and ISPs in other countries have done this. So it is something to think about, and it is something that is... Um, a little concerning and we don't know if it's going to go through but this is actually a senate bill i think this is one of our few senate bills because a lot of the bills were coming out of the house and still are this one is s993 restoring the internet freedom act and and it's in the senate commerce science and uh, transportation it is by senator senator mike lee i believe yes senator mike lee um as always if you want to call him and be like senator mike lee what the flying fuck dude um he can be reached at 202-224-5444 and 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 let your constituents know about this and all other bills that you feel like are a big concern let them know let them know that you're watching let them know that you're lurking on c-span lurk on c-span people if you need to or you know just watch um reliable sources that aggregate all the good parts um actually still haven't found that so if you know a good one hit me up at crsii on the twitter with that and i will check it out and i'll relay it here on the podcast of course so let me see so we've gone over bill watch i guess we should go over how to fight um because how to fight is important but there is a new bot out there called resist bot and resist bot is super fucking cool so if you're just like calling is too much um the amount of time that i have is limited i don't know what to do you can go to resist bot so resist bot is a bot that is on facebook messenger and it'll ask you a couple personal questions to start with like where you live what your phone number is and well you know up front it looks like it's for them to be able to send you texts about what you're going to send to your constituents and to your constituents to your representatives and also so they can figure out which representatives actually belong to you so when it came to the firing of comey and the need of a special prosecutor on the russian investigation and also when it came to this net neutrality bill i used resistbot to actually send faxes to my particular constituents uh patty murray and um I think it's Marie. Oh, God, I should know these things. And um, Pamela Jollival. Oh, gosh. And I fucked up her name real bad, y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> I sent I sent uh, messages out to those guys. And so you can do that, too. So if there's anything, I mean, I'm calling to all people, liberal, conservatives, whatever you think your representatives need to know resist bot is a really good way to do that and they're getting a free shout out because i used it and it was awesome and it worked and whenever there's something else that comes up but i'm definitely going to go there and do that thing because they send faxes and when faxes will actually have a, like a piece of paper so if you all use resist bot and there's constantly just faxing them and faxing them and faxing them and faxing them there's going to keep getting these faxes and it's just like and you know someone because i think in another kind of callback is we know they have aides that take all that information compile it all together and then sends it to them in one full package so if you want there to be something that's alerted there has to be kind of this collective push and to say hey you, i need you to look at this hey i need you to look at this hey i need you to look at this hey i need you to look at this right well, once you get you know the squeaky wheel gets the oil so we got to be that squeaky wheel about the issues and that we really want to think about any issues that are really important to us and we got to use our uh, representative government the way it should be it's supposed to be be thou for the people but they ain't for the people a lot they're for their own things and you know all of the different town halls that have been going on this week 
is definitely have seen that we need to make our voices heard more. We need our representatives to work for us and not work for themselves. So the more power you guys have, the more power they won't have. And definitely this, this actually brings up something that one of my friends posted on my Facebook page. It's funny because especially in this last election there's a lot of political apathy going on right now and as a former um person with a lot of political apathy i can understand where it comes from you got too much shit going on in your lives to be like why the fuck i gotta care about politics it's just stodgy old men spending money around you know occupy wall street and things like that but actually government changes a lot of things the way it works and we should always start on the local level of course but we also have to represent who is going to represent us in the big things who are going to make the big sweeping changes nationally and whether those changes are for the good or for the bad you want to make sure you're a part of that process and actually i was sent a an article that kind of showed where a lot of minority voters in key states that trump won the voting actually went down actually and the people who came to show up went down now there there is something to think about here is if that was because of voter suppression or because of apathy or as i would maybe think a combination of both but also just to be able to get out there and and plan for it like and i, I remember i asked a friend oh did you vote today and you're like no i gotta work and but you know when voting day is it's always the second tuesday of november it's always the second tuesday of november i don't think it's gonna change anytime soon and if it does we'll make note of it but it's always the second tuesday of november when there is a voting block now in the washington area we all get to vote by mail so we don't actually have to go there on that day but on places that have polling stations and you have to go there that day you know so you know think ahead if you can get the time off please get the time off you can go in early go in early but whatever it takes make sure that your vote is heard i'm not telling you who to vote for i i just i don't want to see another election where only 50% of the eligible voters come out and vote. 50% of the eligible voters shouldn't be uh, the people who say what's going to be happening for everyone in this world or not in this world, um, in the United States. So I, I do, I want it. I, I would love it if it could be 100%, but shit happens. It's never going to be 100%. But if it could be 80% of 80% of eligible Americans who could vote went out and voted, do you know what that would mean? That would mean full representative government for us. So I feel like when it comes to the 2018 midterms, uh, there's definitely uh, more and more Democratic uh, representatives being chosen and more and more Democratic uh, opposition and going up in places where we need it. Uh, one people that I follow are Justice Democrats. And they are sending up a few and make sure you look up for that John Asasoff uh, race down in Georgia. That should be happening soon, too. And uh, I think I went on a tangent and I was like, where was I going with this? So, yeah, we we're talking about Comey. Uh, we we're talking about how Sally Yates had to talk about um, investigating things. And before she was let go as attorney general. But um, I think. Uh, oh yeah that was oh that that led in from bill watch seriously <laughs> all right guys uh, so we're done with bill watch we're done with the state of the world and we're done with uh how to fight actually i went in from how to fight oh goodness and this is what happens when you run a podcast alone you're like where did i go oh my god i feel so old okay so we're, we're gonna go into the fun topic now fun topics are always fun but it's always mikhail comes up with the fun topic for me i'm just like i want to go to uh stumble upon and just look at things but actually i wanted to talk about the show that i used to watch and back in 2006 it's called oban star racers and oban star racers to me was a really cool um French and I believe it was a French and Japanese collaboration because it has really brilliant storytelling in my personal opinion and also super cool animations where if you didn't know it was from France you would probably think it's in um, anime and it it stars well actually I don't know who does the voices but 
Um, it takes place in 2082, and every 1,000 years, there's this big race on the planet of Oban, and that is supposed to shape the future of our galaxy in that 10,000 years. So, you know, we've seen that tropey story before, and it's a premise. Like, premises are the same everywhere, aka there's nothing new under the sun. But when it actually came to the way the story is told, I thought it was very beautiful. So when it comes to Molly, Molly was sent to boarding school 10 years ago before she sneaked out of boarding school goes to her father's uh garage who is he's a part of this new age racing that happens in the 2080s or actually the 2080s and 2070s because some years before i back when i believe molly was probably around four years old her mother was killed in a race and she was having a race against this alien creature so there's like that's the first big of ink um bit of intrigue that i believe happens in the show and there's also another bit of intrigue that happens when you wonder how the relationship between molly and her father is going to uh grow and bloom and blossom because he doesn't actually know that's his daughter until later on and it is actually so it's set up into two parts the first uh part which are the qualifiers before you can go to oban and then the second part where they actually go to oban and the races are intense too where and it's not like your typical race where it's purely purely your speed that has you win it but every ship has um uh, basically a weapon system and their acceleration ability so there's always molly working together with her gunner in concert to make sure that she can maneuver correctly but he's also dispatching any threats that would get them away from uh winning and this one i believe the race is done over a series of courses and it's done a lot like Mario Kart. So first place gets one side of uh sort of prize, second place get an another sort of prize, and third place and so on until they get to the end. So I really think that's a cool show. If you want to watch it, I believe season one is on. Uh, I'm gonna say Facebook. Season one is on YouTube for $10.99. I feel, I feel like it's worth it just to take a weekend, get some popcorn, get some pizza, make some food, get some friends, sit down, watch it. It's going to be cool. All right. So that does it when it comes to our fun one. That was a short one. Usually we have a conversation and everything about silly things. And I just wanted to kind of get there to do a break. And what I kind of wanted to do now is something I actually wanted to do a few weeks ago but we never really got around to it because it was a hot button issue then it's not really a hot button issue now and i really wanted to talk about this one guy named uh, colin moriarty and he was on uh, almost funny and he made a joke on the day without women and that kind of exploded in what you know the right would call the regressive left spaces and something that was very sexist and very um was insensitive for the day that it happened on so let me um play you a clip of him talking about that on the Rubin report so that's what you did i'm, I'm gonna let you read it yourself okay well, uh, let's do it in your own voice it's uh it's so well i already know what it says, it says yeah. ah peace and quiet and then hashtag a day without a woman yeah and that's it that's it, that's now, it. You, now you tweeted this on international women yes thing. uh now correct me if i'm wrong that was a Joke. There was right? a, it was a joke that would have it was a joke that only would have worked that day too. So everyone <laughs> that was like, well, "How could you say this today?" I'm like, "It doesn't make any sense otherwise." Yeah. Yeah. So, and I can completely understand from that standpoint where once you say it's a joke, boom, um, it's it's level. It, you shouldn't take it as seriously. And it's actually also happening on the conservative sides too when it comes to uh, Stephen Colbert's whole thing about when he says uh, Trump's. Um, only good point is basically being a dick holder for uh, Putin. So I think it actually goes both ways. And I think why people get mad at it is that, well, one, there is this principle of joke telling where jokes are supposed to punch up and not down. And, you know, that that's a quality. You don't have to really follow it if you don't want to. And so I don't know how I feel about that being a criticism in and of itself. So, but in the case of Colin Moriarty and also in the case of Stephen Colbert, I think it does keep on, it, it deals with when you perpetuate um, inequalities and insensitivities that just go unquestioned because it's kind of the underlyings of it all. 
And so the reason why I think um, the two are in an uproar, well, I think Stephen Colbert is in an uproar only because conservatives are using that as a position that actually does vilify him in a way. But even if they are using that to vilify him in a way, I can see how anti-gay speech and also anti-women speech kind of just lets you know what the collective consciousness thinks of gaiety and women as a whole and when you feel like you're being treated unfairly um by the collective consciousness as a whole then it's then you kind of get this idea of trying to be treated as equals uh, keeps getting perpetuated by those that are already treated like equals as bad so it should be called out and I can't have criticism about how people go about it and there is a certain subset of um the left that does rage out and yell and you know doesn't do interpersonal discourse in a really good way but I don't feel like that exactly changes their position and their criticism as a whole, just how it's received. And then, so if you want people to receive it better, you probably should, you know, make a better cake and then give it to them. Don't give them like a shit sandwich and be like, it's a good. So, you know, but even though, I guess that's a horrible analogy, but um, when it comes to that too, when you do something like that, you will perpetuate um a certain stereotype that women have a certain place in society women have another place in society and one of my favorite podcasts that i told you guys to listen to a while back why oh why um had something that i feel like was very poignant in juxtaposition for his it was just a joke argument about how some other men actually view and look at women um especially when it comes into regards of uh finally some peace and quiet so i'll play that one for you but I would love to, you know, I'd love to change your mind about this Listen. stuff. I'd love to show you just like that a woman can express herself and that this is okay. And they can, but, I, it's I, but so I'm annoying. not going to change. I mean, look, I'm not from New York. I'm from Maryland. And, you know, women in Maryland are not, you know, they just, they say what they need to say and then they shut up and they listen and that's it. But I mean, in New York, Jesus, I mean, if you don't tell them to stop it, it's an on and on and on. Yeah, because I've heard people make complaints about people who go on and on and on and on. And I started to do a little bit of research on this um, in my nice slide plug of uh, The Great Courses Plus. There was something that talked about how to have conversations. And there was a concept in there called talk time. And talk time was basically when you're in your certain group or whatever, whatever group setting there is, there is a certain level of undisclosed talk time that people are given in a certain situation before someone's going to get bored and wants their attention diverted elsewhere. And if you look out for it, if you, if you, and a lot of people don't see it because a lot of people don't tell them, but you, this is one of those things where you can look at people's body language and see where they're shifting. Are their feet shifting away from you? Is their body shifting away from you? Do they look visibly bored? Is everyone facing you? Look at their eyes, listen to how they're responding. There's a lot of uh, soft skills that actually comes with that that can help with that. But when I heard Randy, Randy is the name of the guy um, from that clip from Wild Wild talking about how women just go on and on and on part of me wonders is it both him and the other people involved in conversations with him that aren't picking up on social cues and these different body language quirks that actually happens in these regards or is it just him being a blatant misogynist and not feeling that he actually is garnered more talk time than they are because he's a man and they're a woman so I would like to hear about your thoughts on that too on the Twitters if you need to. And basically that's what it boils down to. Um, I was talking or I was on a Facebook chat today, not a Facebook chat. It was, it was a thing on the wall about um, why are all the like Alexa and Siri and things like that always have female voices. And it is, it is interesting that they, uh, and that we're socially conditioned to think that, uh, mothers are more like not sorry not mothers i'm thinking about this because it's almost mother's day people and we're conditioned to think that uh women have a more of a nurturing sort of more caring and more giving sort of 
way of being and men not so much and i know that i will probably get a lot of flack because there's a lot of arguments to be made that biologically speaking they're child rearing um economically speaking they've taken jobs we're nurturing is a big part of them sociologically speaking um because of our hunter gatherer society they were the gatherers and even evolutionary you can say when it comes on picking up different colors and stuff that women are a lot better than that at men so there's a lot of things that surround it that there shouldn't be such a big criticism that we're socially conditioned this way but i feel like now that we don't live in a hunter gatherer society anymore we live in a capitalist society who's kind of becoming more economically socialist in a lot of different areas in the world where traditional gender roles or gender roles of you know man strong woman not sort of thing doesn't actually need to be the way things are anymore i think we're allowed to examine those things i think we're allowed to be critical of those things and i think based on the level of just automation and engineering that has led us to this point in our society i think it's good that we keep questioning and keep attacking the way that we treat people in a certain way whether it be uh gender race sexuality uh religion sexual orientation or anything that is used as an a label that subjugates us because labels aren't totally bad labels help us um understand relationships between things in the world but also that there's but that when it comes to attacking those things that there is good reasons why we're attacking these status quos and when you are a social justice warrior you're saying i want there to i want basically you're saying i want all humans to be inclusionary to all things and anytime there's a stopgap for humans not being inclusionary to all things that's kind of detrimental to humanity as a whole so actually i think that does it for today uh thank you for watching thank you for watching <laughs> thank you for listening to this awesome solo episode i guess i've just been able to get into the weeds and just brain dump things i want to talk about but also want to leave you with the grow your brain segment you know the ones where i like to tell you about things you can listen to things you can watch and i think i have a few one i want you guys to start watching pbs news hour pbs news hour is amazing it is the way news should be they'll go over the gist of everything that's happening in the day with president trump they will get a, an idea of what's going on in washington with their washington correspondence and then they'll also getting to the weeds of the emotion with uh different pundits but not the fox news type pundits they are really the ones that uh embody the core values of each of their respective ideologies and they actually represent what they think very well so i really feel like if you're not watching it you should be also some of my favorite philosophical guys who make things fun um the guys over at wisecrack and they do they've done really really good episodes on the philosophy of rick and morty the philosophy of south park on multiple times and also their newest one it's always sunny in philadelphia is it the perfect anti-sitcom it really goes on how they subvert a lot of tropes in a very funny way and they've been doing it for 12 seasons and it still gets us every time so uh as you know you can catch me at crsii on the twitter and chaz underscore baz that's with two z's in the baz but one z in the chaz on the instagram thank you for listening i'll see you guys next week with mikhail you have a good one peace the granddad of the brand millions of fans have been sold on you're so far up on my nuts i should call you bond Gold bond. Yeah, um, could I get back in my rap, please? Rap these, you velvety hat. It's the movie business and you've had your six. The world is... Bye.